At Life Street Community Church, we believe that we are the church. It's not a building, a program, or a tradition. A church is people. You and I are the church, and we have influence. We have responsibility, and we have the honor and privilege of being called God's church. Each of us is part of that church, and that includes you. All right. So I encourage you to turn in your Bibles. It should look like this in your seats to Matthew chapter 19. That'll be page uh, 750 in your Bibles, 750 in uh, these Bibles that are there in your seats. Um, And uh, we're going to continue on uh, with our series there. Um, As Pastor Dre mentioned, we got back yesterday from our leadership conference, the Leadership Forum at uh, Southeastern University. There it is. That was us listening. Uh, That's where we were sitting. At Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. I was in Lake, I'm sorry, I was in Lakeland, Florida yesterday, and they were complaining that it was 60 degrees in the morning, and I was like, I have no pity for you whatsoever. 60 degrees, by the end of the day, it was like 75, sunny, and they're in like parkas. Like, you don't have any idea what cold is. They're like, this winter is terrible. I was like, I just, just get out of my face. Um, but it was a great time, and uh, that's actually Damon John from Shark Tank. Anybody know about Shark Tank? Ever watch Shark Tank? A cool show. So I got to, got to do a little meet and greet with him, got him to sign my book, and got a picture, got a selfie with Damon John, so it was a good time. It was, it was just a cool experience, and uh, every year uh, I like to try and go to a conference somewhere to try and just sharpen yourself, you know, grow and uh, hear different perspectives and different insights. So it was a full day, you know, two days of... Um, all sorts of good speakers. It was the guy from Charity Water. Anybody know what Charity Water is? They dig wells in like all over the world. It's unbelievable what they're doing. If you don't know about Charity Water, go just Google it. It's really incredible stuff. Heard from the CEO of uh, Delta Airlines, and they gave us all a biscuit, like a cookie. Like I said, anybody flies Delta, they've got like they're famous for these cookies. So it was a pretty good cookie. It was a good cookie. Um, they gave us free donuts, which was always like, oh, man. We showed up for the first day, and they had, like, cups of coffee with, like, a pop sticking out with a donut on top. I was like, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. Throughout the event, they kept doing these little things, you know, like, hey, on your way out today, we got some, uh, some popcorn for you or, you know, some pre-lunch Chick-fil-A for you. And they had food trucks and a lot of food. They gave us books. It was, it was a really great time. And, uh, you know, enough so that, like, I'd go back, preferably next March, but for longer for longer. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things, you know, when you pick, if you've ever been to a conference, um, you want to go to a good conference. And so when they do things like hand out free donuts, I want to go back, right? And I'm like, okay, that's a good conference. It's actually like my fifth time at this conference. They do a phenomenal job. Um, and I want to know that if I'm going to go away, if I'm going to spend some time, I want it to be a good use of my time. I want it to be well spent, right? So I want to get, I want to, I want to make sure it's worth it. And so naturally, you know, it doesn't hurt that it's sunny. It wasn't for Florida, really wasn't for Florida. Um, but it was, it was a great time, and I would say probably better than I expected. Um, it, was, it was really, really good. Don't you like it when something exceeds your expectations? Isn't that, like, just nice? You're like, oh, I'm expecting it to be good, but that was even better. Like, we went out, you know, you go out to eat somewhere, and you're like, oh, maybe it'll be good, and the food's amazing. You're like, wow. Like, I had, like, no low expectations, but that was, like, up here, right? Like, so expectations play a big role in how we experience the world. Do we know this? I do a lot of premarital counseling people. Expectations are everything, right? When you come into a relationship with expectations, it defines everything. Expectations have so much. If you have high expectations, if you're a high expectation person, um, good for you, and I'm sorry for everybody around you, 
Um, because high expectation, right, we often experience disappointment. So we express, we, we kind of walk through the world as constantly being disappointed because things don't ever measure up to what we hope they could be because we've got such high expectations. And then there's low expectation people. And I'm sorry for you <laughs> uh, because we just don't ever expect anything. And then even if we are surprised, it's not like that big of a deal. It's just a low investment because when we don't have a great expectation, we don't really put a lot in because we just don't think anything's going to be good. All right, so we've got to find this balance with expectations. Um, we went with some moderate expectations. If I'm honest, if I'm completely honest and transparent, I could care less what we learned all the way down there. I was going for sun. I just wanted to get away from here. I was like, I just want to feel warmth on my skin. And uh, we did. It was great. Like, uh, but then like, we actually like, learned stuff and got stuff out of it and had a great time together. It was really good for the three of us to be away. And it was, it was awesome. It went way beyond our expectations. Um, uh, so it was, it was really, really good. But you know, when, we, when we put ourselves out there and we invest, there's, there's three letters that we really want. And I don't know if anybody knows. Some of you know these letters. So we want a really, really good ROI. Okay? How many know what ROI is, right? Most of you should know what ROI is. Okay. ROI. Let's go. It's the return on investment, right? So as, like, the more we invest, we want a high return. Like, that's where we want to be in that upper right quadrant. That's what we want. We want a high return. We want the most bang for our buck, right? You guys know these, you guys know these phrases, right? We want to maximize our investment, um, and it can sound selfish, right? It can sound selfish that, like, I just really just, like, if I'm going to spend something, I want a lot back, right? That, that can sound like it's selfishly motivated, um, but it can also just be a value on excellence is what it can be. Like, if I'm going to do this, I want, I want to value excellence. Um, we want the best possible outcome for what we put in. When you invest, you want the highest return. Let's say you're investing and you get 5% back on your investment, and I guarantee you, and you've been there for, like, 20 years, but I guarantee you that over here you can get 15%. How many of you would leave the 5% for the 15% investment? If I can guarantee it, right? Because that's the game. The game of investing is I want more return on my investment. Why? It's the goal is more. More is better, right? That's, that's how investing works. More is better. We all want the best deal. That's why you clip coupons. Some of you are serial coupon clippers, you know, and... The rest of you are in line behind somebody who is a serial coupon clipper. Okay, but why? Because you want the best deal, right? You want the most bang for your buck. You want the best investment. Some of you negotiate for cars and houses. Maybe you even negotiate at Walmart. I don't know. Some of of you are just like you're just going to squeeze every penny because you want a good deal, right? Um, Some of you shop around. It's the art of the deal. We want the best return on investment. We're talking about giving in this series. We're, uh, it's been a few weeks on this. Some of you are tired of it. I'm sorry. It's going to be, it's, we're almost done, but I think it's good. I think today's going to be something very different. And we're talking about a series that's called It's Not Mine. We're talking about money and how, you know, we're, good, we're stewards of what God has given to us. And in this series, uh, we, we just sort of looked at scriptures, and Jesus has a conversation with his disciples centered on ROI. They have a whole conversation about return on investment. And it's really, really kind of funny. And so, in faith, as we live out a life of faith, there's really one question that we ask related to all this, and it's this. Will it be worth it? Is it worth it? Right? Like, we're talking about giving. We're talking about living a life of faith. There's a lot of sacrifice involved. There's decisions. Right? You can do anything you want in life, but you can't do everything. So, we've got to pick and choose. 
And we want to know, is it worth it? And my goal today is to answer that question for you. So Matthew chapter 19, we'll pick it up in verse 16. It says, someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Jesus says, why ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good, but to answer your question... If you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones? (laughs) And Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself, kind of goes through, you know, these commandments. And the man says, I've obeyed all of these. What else must I do? And Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect... Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. But the young man, when he heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples are astounded, understandably. Who in the world can be saved, they asked. And Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, everything is possible. Which is where we get that value, anything's possible. If you've seen the picture of the camel, right, that's where it comes from. But then here comes a question from Peter that we haven't looked at. Verse 27, he says this, We've given up everything to follow you. How many have asked this question before? What will we get? What's my return on investment? Since I gave you everything, I've followed you. I've given you my life. I've made life decisions centered around following you and sacrifice, pleasure, and all sorts of stuff. What do I get for that? That's the question. What do you get for what you give? Particularly when we give to God. This is beyond ties. This is... This is about offerings. It's about above and beyond. Tithing is a different issue. We talked about tithing a few weeks ago. This is something different. We're not talking about tithing here. This is about extravagant giving. We've sacrificed our careers. Maybe you've sacrificed retirement. Maybe you've sacrificed dreams or stability or reputation because you're wanting to follow God. You're saying, what do I get for that? Before I answer that, I want to make two declarative statements that will frame the rest of of our thoughts today. And here are the two statements. It's this. Why we give determines how we give. And how we give determines what we get. You can write that down if you want. That's the best thing you're going to get today. It's all downhill from here. Why we give determines how we give. And how we give determines what we get. So why we give? Why, why do I give? Why do you give? I want to get to motive here. I want to get to motive. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, you don't have to turn there. Jesus says this, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do and blow trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. 
I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. We're going to stop there. One, why you give matters. Why you give matters. Is it for admiration? To impress others? Maybe it's to impress God. God, check me out. Look at how much I'm giving here. Why are you giving? Is it for the reward? Are you giving because of what you're going to get for it? It's very clear here that the wrong motive forfeits what God wants to give us for giving. The reward we do get is when, when we want attention, if that's what we're focused on, I mean, did you hear it in there? It's so worthless. You, he tells you what your reward is. The admiration, people go, oh, that was great. That's your reward. That's what you get. Remember my dad telling a story about there were some, sometimes even in the church world we mess this up, just so you know. We, we, we do. And there's this sort of tradition among some, some churches that when you give to things like missions, they recognize when all those churches get together like the most giving church. And you know what they give? They give out a plaque. You get a plaque for giving to missions. And they call your name and parade you up in front of all the other pastors and say, hey, this church gave a lot to missions. And there was a gentleman, another pastor, who had a real problem with this. He, he didn't want to do it. He said, this is not the way it's supposed to work. And they're like, you've got to hand out these plaques. He's like, I don't want to hand out the plaques. He said, you got it. So he gets up there and he goes, okay, first church up, yada, yada, church, come and receive your reward. Do you understand? Like, that's it. That's what you get. You want admiration? Guess what? You get a plaque in front of everybody else, and that's it. That's your reward. It's worthless. There's a famous quote that says this, too many people buy things they don't need with money they don't have to impress people they don't like. Have you ever heard that? Right? We buy, we buy things with money, right? With things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. I want to tweak it. Sometimes, do we give money that we'd rather keep to causes we don't care about to force a God we don't trust to give us even more? One more time. It's not fun, I know. Do we give money we'd rather keep to causes we don't care about to force a God we don't trust to give us even more? See, why we give matters. Why does God, and here's the thing, it's interesting, God invites us to give. He invites us to give, you know. He actually leaves it up to us to decide how much. He doesn't script it. He doesn't say you have to give this much in X amount and do this. He doesn't. He leaves it up to us. I think God's a smart guy. Being. So why does he leave it up to us? See, because it's in the choosing that our heart is formed. It's when you get to pick. When you choose that something happens in you. I'm reading a book right now. It's a phenomenal book. Probably one of the best books I've ever read. And it's called, You Are What You Love. And then the subtitle is, And You May Not Love What You Think You Love. You are what you love. And I would say it like this. You do what you love. Right? What you do reveals what you love. There's two types of obedience. Two very simple types of obedience. Forced obedience. Every parent knows this. There is forced obedience. And there is willful obedience. We all know it. 
and you can smell the difference. If you're working with somebody, are you, there's forced obedience. You know what we call that? Slavery. You're going to do it because I said so. That's forced obedience, right? You're going you're gonna to pay taxes. Do I want to? No. Do I have to? There's a threat around that. So, yes, I will pay my taxes. But I don't do it because I, I want to. I'm doing it because I have to. I'm obligated to. Right? I'm being forced to. You understand? Like There's these things throughout life all the time that you get forced to do. Anytime you do something you don't want to do, right? that's forced obedience. But then there's willful obedience, which is, we call that love. I do this for you because I, I want to. Because I know it'll be good for you, or it'll be respectful, or because it's what you need. Or, right? that, that's an expression of love. Right? When I do it because I choose to, it's different. They're two very different things. See, what and who we give to reveals what we love. Giving is not a have to. We talk about it all the time. It is not a have to. God doesn't tell us you have to give. He gives us a choice and he says you can choose to give. And when you give, it reveals your heart. So why we give matters. But why we give also determines how we give. Right? So the motivation comes out in our methods. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 3, just the next verse over, it says, But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Now, this is figurative. It's not like literally, like, put a hand in your pocket and, like, you know. But it's saying, like, you shouldn't even, you know, communicate to yourself what's going on. So nobody else should know why you're giving or what you're giving, right? It shouldn't be something that you do in public or flaunt or to try and get attention and wave it around before you throw it in the offering. You know, here, here's a great example, Okay. You're at the bagel store, bagels and cream, right? You get your bacon, egg, and cheese on a sesame bagel, and you get your, you know, your green tea to go or a coffee or whatever it is, right? And you slip like a dollar or two in the tip jar, but they didn't see you. So you go, dang it. So you're like trying to like put your hand on top and like bang it so that they hear you, right? Like, I want... What do you want? You want credit for giving that tip. It's not that you did it. You wanted them to know that you did it. Right? Listen, maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. I'm going to guess I'm not the only one that has done that. Right? But you care what they think about you. They don't want you. You don't want them thinking you're a cheapskate. No, no, no. I gave you a tip. I want you to hear it. Bum, 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 bum. You're hitting the plastic jar, you know, shaking it around a little bit. Like, make sure they know. You know, until they go, oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. yeah, No, nothing. There's nothing. It was nothing. Right? Like, you just want credit for it. Let me ask you, what if nobody knew that you gave? What if nobody knew that you gave? Would you still give? It's the reason, you know, what if you didn't get, you know, tax credit for giving to the church? Or what if you didn't get a charitable contribution for, you know, that? What if there was no name on the check? It would just show up at somebody's, you know, mailbox. Would you still send it? It's the reason we do the connection cards like we do, right? So we do we give connection cards out, right? And we collect them at the end and when we do the offerings so that everybody has something to put in. So you're not looking, hey, look at me, I'm putting something in. Everybody's putting something in. Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking at what you're doing. I don't know what you give. I have no idea what anybody gives, 
I'm not trying to keep track. I have no idea if you give or if you don't give. Nobody's got to fake it, though, because we're all putting something in the basket anyway. It just sort of keeps it discreet. Right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing. If you want to give, nobody will think anything different. I'm not going to think better of you because you give. I'm not going to think less because you don't. It's between you and God. But if we want attention, we know it. Right? And we know that how we give usually is evidence of that. If we're giving because we want to, we don't notice if anybody else notices. You don't care if anybody else notices. Some people, you know, they often will give us a gift and they go, you know what, I don't want any credit. Don't tell anybody I gave. I can do that. Like, that's it. Because they're not giving because they want credit. They just want to give. They just want to give. So how we give determines now what we get. So... Why you give determines how you give, and how you give determines what you get. And here's where we're coming to the full circle here. What we get, Matthew chapter 19, keep going, verse 28. Right? What do we get? And Jesus replies, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. 29, here we go, ready? And everyone who has given up houses or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or property, or careers, or dream houses, or vacations, for my sake, will receive how much? A hundred times as much in return. Oh, and I'll throw in an, uh, eternal life. Right? I'll just throw, just throw that one in there. So everybody who has given to God, here's what... No matter what you give, you're going to get back more. No matter what, you get back more. A lot more. Like a hundred times more. Like a hundred X. In your notes, right? A hundred X. How many would take that on a return? A hundred X. Would you take a hundred X on a return? Okay. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I'm just going to throw in eternal life. Just bonus. Just bonus. You came to the conference, but you get donuts. Okay? You get a hundred times. Oh, that's great. And eternal life. Just going to throw that in there. Just, just a little extra. In his book, The Weight of Glory, C.S. Lewis notes how believers often underestimate the full riches God has for his children. And he says this. If we would consider the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that the Lord... Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. And then he ends with a devastating sentence. He says this, we are far too easily pleased. God wants to give us unreasonable peace, wisdom beyond our years, joy that defies our circumstances, hope that stirs our soul, power to do the impossible, an eternal life in paradise. And we're worried about mortgages and college funds and electric bills. We're worried about things so small. And God says, I'm going to give you a hundred times X plus eternal life. And we're like, I don't know if I can afford this. I don't know, God, I just, we are far too easily pleased. We just want money. We set the bar way too low. What we get for giving is far beyond what we deserve for giving. And what we get has nothing to do with how much we give. 
want to make it really clear. It's not like I put X amount in and I get X amount back. And then I put Y in and I get Y back. It doesn't work like that. Very clearly, Mark 12, Jesus sat down near a collection box in a temple. And a woman walks in. People says rich people are putting in large amounts. And a poor widow came by and drops in two small coins. Chink. That's it. And Jesus called his disciples and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. I've heard it said like this. It's, it's not how much you give. It's how much is left in your pocket. That it's, it's not about numbers. It's not about like doing math. God doesn't work like that. Again, it all boils down to the roots. It all boils down to our heart. Why are we giving? See, we have no idea what God sees when people give. You would think that people who give more are more holy. That's what we think, right? It feels like the more we give, the more we should get. Like, like I can almost force God's hand. Watch this. Watch. I'm going to tithe 30%. It's going to be so impressed. Here, all right, open the windows of heaven. Here it comes. Right? Expectation. It feels like those who give the most are the most important. And in reality, they might be nothing in God's eyes because they have the wrong heart. I don't know. I don't judge. The point is that we are unqualified to judge. We have no idea what God sees when people give. I'll tell you, at the conference, um, it was fun. It was great. We got these lanyards. Nice little card had our name on it. He was Andrak because the E had an accent mark over it, and so it had a capital A and C. You ever do that like an autocorrect? Like he doesn't know how to read the accent mark with E, so it was A-N-D-R-A-C. So if everybody like call him Pastor Andrak, you can feel free to go ahead. Um, we had the nice little cards. It was great. And it had a word up top, and it said general admission. So these are nice. These are really nice things. And then we went to sit down, and there were these seats, and they had little stickers on them, and they said investor. It's like, oh. Not an investor. I'm just general. General admission. Where are our seats? They're in the back. All right. Sat in the back row. It was all good. It was still a great time, right? They had better seats, special food areas. They got some nice little things. They got like a private concert with like one of the, one of the speakers who was a musician that was there. So they paid more. They gave more, so they got more, right? They were VIPs. Um, we didn't do that because, hey, we were just happy to be in the sun. Right? We were there. It doesn't work like that in heaven. Right? Quantity isn't king. It's not like those who give the most here on earth get the biggest houses in heaven. It has nothing to do with how much you give. See, what really matters is obedience and faithfulness. So, this is not a message saying you should give more because you're going to get more. This is a mes- message just saying very much you should just give because God compels you to give and be obedient and responsive to whatever he tells you to give. Whether it's a lot or a little, it doesn't matter. Don't do it to show off. Don't do it for the reward. Do it in response of love for God. And when you give, I'm telling you, don't even worry about it because you're going to get so much more than you ever could back. God will reward us not by how much we give, but by how obedient 
and responsive we are. So what? Here we go. That was a great message. Thanks so much for telling us that. What do we? Right. Here's some practical application. Two things. One, check your heart. Why do you give? Just check your heart. What's your expectation? If why you give determines how you give, let me ask you, do you do it for God's purposes or for your purposes? Why do you give? Do you care more about what will happen to others or what will happen to you? Why do you give? Listen, we're all selfish. We need to ask God for help. Say, God, help me do it with right motives. Check my heart. Because money is just so sneaky. And finally, check your hand. How do you give? Invite God to prompt you to give and expect opportunities to give. Do you give with strings attached? Do you give with qualifications? God, I'll give if. Do you want people to know? Do you want credit? How are you giving? Give generously. Give in private. If you tell people, just remember, you're going to get your reward. That's it. They know that's your reward. Their admiration is what you will receive for giving. But if you keep it between you and God, 100 times X plus eternal life thrown in. Every time. Every time. And if we will give well, God will reward us beyond measure. Luke chapter 6. And and if you can come up and just play as I close here. Luke chapter 6. I want to read this verse. Would you listen to this? Not my words. This is Jesus. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. See, God gives the best return on investment. God gives the best return on investment. The amount you give will determine the amount you give. Just give generously. Luke chapter 12. Finish with this story. Someone called from the crowd, teacher, talking to Jesus, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Tell him to give me my cut. And Jesus replied, friend, who made me judge over you? Decide such things as that. And then Jesus says, you know, I'm not going to talk about the judging. I'm going to talk about your heart for a minute. I'm going to close with the heart. He says, beware. Guard against every type of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. And he told this story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back to myself and say, friends, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat. Drink. Be merry. But God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you've worked for? Yes, the person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. And turning to his disciples, Jesus said, This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or clothes to wear. Life is more than food and your body more than clothes. Look at the birds. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. I know it's a little bit of scripture, but just listen. Would you just hear these words? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? 
And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the flowers and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. He will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock. For it gives the Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. See, God doesn't give for the reward. He gives because He loves you. He doesn't do it because He has to. He gives because He wants to. And He gives it sometimes so secretly that we don't even recognize that it's Him. We don't give Him any credit. Let's skip down to verse 34 and it says this, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Money is tied right to our heart, to what we love. Jim Elliott said this, He is no fool if he should choose to give the things he cannot keep to gain what he could never lose. When you give, again, it's not about more is better. It's about obedience and just responding to God. And when you give, you're giving something that you can't take it with you. And you are getting things that can never be taken away. J.H. Jowett said this, The real measure of your wealth is how much you'd be worth if you lost all your money. The real measure of your wealth is how much you'd be worth if you lost all your money. See, why you give determines how you give. And how you give determines what you get in return. You can't get a better return on investment than what God wants to give. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreescc.com.